Med Family is a show about a family journeying through medical school with kids and navigating married life. Tag along to see how we got here and where this journey is taking us. Hello, welcome to our podcast, Med Family. I am Eric Acker, the host with Karen. Hey, guys. So uh, I think we're going to try to make this one quick. I think the next few weeks we're going to try to be quick at as much as we can because of the the, the situation we're, we're in. We're... we're We've just finished course and we're getting ready for step two. And that generally means a lot of early mornings and late nights of studying and getting prepared since we only really have about three weeks of dedicated time. And so it doesn't leave a lot of time for editing and publishing podcasts. So probably won't be seeing any special episodes between now and uh, my step two date. And I apologize for that. I know a lot of people like the special episodes, and I like doing them too. I like having new people in. But most of the people I know are preparing for step two. And so they're probably in the same boat as I am. They don't really have a lot of extra time to go hang out and spend a couple hours with somebody. We're just going to focus in on what needs to get done, and any extra time is kind of spent with the family. So again, we're going to try to keep this short, and I burned through about a couple minutes of doing that. <laughs> so. <laughs> so I guess starting off, Eric did pass his last shelf. I know he had wanted to do better. He mismanaged time a little bit. I, he thought that there was a hundred questions. I was an idiot. Test. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of 110. And so the time he allocated for each question was too much. And so he didn't get all the questions. So the last few days he's been stressing about whether or not he was going to pass and he did pass with good margin. And now yeah. he's kicking himself because he's like, I could have gotten honors, <laughs> which is, I mean, yeah, <laughs> I mean, it, it was definitely a, a stupid thing on my part. And, you know, I've, I've done these exams already a few times. Like I, I am certain, you know, pediatrics and etc they're all 110 questions with the exception of family medicine which is, i think is like 90 and i'm just going through the exam as i'm usually doing and trying to pay attention to like the time and so i don't run too long on certain questions is it definitely going to be questions where they kind of come out of left field and you don't know where they're co- coming from where they're trying to get to and so you're staring at it and trying to figure out what should i be putting down as an answer <laughs> what are they trying to get me to see i'm just seeing a weird constellation and i just can't figure it out because usually the first step of any vignette you read is what's the diagnosis so the entire time you're reading it you're going okay what's the diagnosis what what are the, what am i kind of supposed to be seeing here and then from there once you have kind of a diagnosis or a direction you're supposed to be heading then you can figure out the algorithm and so a lot of these questions were coming out of left field i was paying attention to the clock but somewhere in my mind because I, I had taken a, a self-assessment or i think a a shelf practice exam a couple of days before. And I was thinking, oh, well, that was only 50 questions. And that's half of basically half of my shelf. And so I had started thinking about, okay, about I have two hours and 45 minutes to get 
a hundred questions done and half of that is 50 and that means around an hour 20 hour 15 eh, somewhere in that hour 20 so I should be about 50 questions in and so when I hit that mark I was feeling pretty good I'm like okay I, I feel like I've been staring at a few questions for a long time but there's been some questions I move on pretty quick from and so I just kind of keep timing it like that and I get to my last 10 quote unquote last 10 and I'm doing good on time I, I finished my last my hundredth question and I'm feeling pretty good like and then my, my time runs out as I answer my last question and I'm like okay well you know it's better to time it right than, than it is to you know rush through the last few questions and pick random answers and feel like you're rushed and then I thought about it maybe like two minutes after submitting the exam and it was like I'm pretty sure these exams are longer than a hundred questions and that that's where I got the, oh, shoot, 110 questions. So I basically just left 10 questions unanswered. And that's just like a disaster. Because, uh, I mean, that, that can be, I don't know how they scale these shelf exams, to be honest. So if it's just a straight percentage, then that's like 9% of your grade is just now gone. Like that, if you're looking for scoring in the 90s, your odds of scoring in the 90s just went down. And uh, obviously getting honors is, I think, scoring better than 77, I think. I would have to go back and look at it. But I was like, okay, well, if I look at my historical <laughs> scores from previous shelf exams, uh, on the ones that I, I passed, uh, I don't know if I could have spared nine percentage points <laughs> and not been very close to a fail. And some of them I, I've obviously done better on, but not... Every single one could I guarantee that. And of course, I felt like with this exam, if I had gone through every single question, I probably would have left feeling like I would have passed. Like, I, I don't think I would have had a question in my mind whether or not I passed. There was definitely a lot of questions that I was just running through because it was like, oh, that's easy. The answer is this. Move on. Or like, um, I was, because one of the tips I would say um, is kind of what I want to at least talk about in this podcast besides my my stupidity on taking a shelf exam, which I've never done before and I will hopefully <laughs> never repeat, uh, <laughs> is that looking over the previous shelf, NBME st shelf study uh, tools, or sorry, the NBME self-assessments for the shelves was helpful because I definitely saw questions that were in those NBME shelf exams, uh, practice exams, that showed up on my shelf exam. So definitely some pictures that showed up and I was like, I saw that picture. I know the answer. And of course, you read, You make sure you read the vignette to make sure they're not like trying to lead you astray or anything like that. But generally speaking, there was at least, I think, three questions that were tested on the on the uh, practice exams. So that, that kind of came in handy. And it was a, and the, definitely concepts that were touched on that aren't obvious for like surgery, like uh Someone who has um, adrenal crisis or uh, primary adrenal insufficiency. That's something that doesn't seem like an obvious surgery one. But of course, when you patient undergoes surgery, post-op complications can include uh, adrenal crisis. So something to kind of keep in mind when they have a patient who's just had, you know, maybe they have a history of Crohn's disease that was treated with uh, oral steroids, and then they have a surgery, and then they're blood pressure is very low and after the surgery and they can't seem to bring it up by fluid resuscitation 
and then they go, what's, you know, what, what would you give this patient or what's wrong? And it depends on how, what, how they want to phrase the question. Either it's a diagnose it or treat it is usually the, the combination of the answer choices, but adrenal insufficiency and <laughs> treat with, uh, I think hydrocortisol anyway. So <laughs> there's a lot of kind of questions like that. Um, ones that I, I thought I, I definitely felt like were, there was some benefit from doing the practice exams. And I know it's annoying, $20 per shelf practice exam, and there was four for surgery. I don't think I did more than two. I think you did two. three. No, I did two, I think. Oh. I did three. I've done three step two. Oh, that's right. Okay. <laughs> I, I probably, to be completely honest, I think I probably overextended my, my step two practice exams because I feel like I probably overcorrected like they're definitely useful when i took them but they're not very useful for projecting how i'm going to do tomorrow we're going to take another one and i think that one's going to be a little bit more accurate the i think the first and second one i took were so long ago in the middle of my surgery uh, my surgery rotation that it was so hard to study for step two when you had such limited time that i don't know if it's a very accurate representation of what I can do. Plus, I don't think I was going through the questions, uh, the question banks as fast as I really needed to be doing during my surgery time. I I think I was doing maybe 20 to 40 questions a day, and I really needed to be doing like 80 to 100. So really 80 to 100 to kind of get into that rhythm of really studying, really dedicated study time. So anyway, uh, surgery shelf in the books. We got the score yesterday in the afternoon, which is agonizing <laughs> an agonizing weekend you 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 take it on friday and there was a time during my core rotations that we would get our, our results on sunday. sunday afternoon and that was even that felt a little agonizing because you you kind of thought about it all friday night and saturday and then sunday rolled around we'd go to church and come back out of church and then we'd have the exam score and that would always kind of feel good having a pass then they they decided for some reason or another that it, they need three days to uh, process the <laughs> exam and get it sent off to us i don't know if that's a school policy or what i don't know what it is but in I either case more people in there's probably cores. a lot more people in cores and so maybe there's, there's a, a bigger task to accomplish I, i'm not really sure because nobody gets their nobody gets their exam scores before tuesday now so it's not like a slow trickle it's like everything comes out on tuesday and everyone's getting the exam about the same time yeah. so whatever reason you now wait from friday for when you submit it to tuesday to see your score and uh, i was definitely sweating it like karen said because i i had a not so good, you know, I missed 10 questions and man, what if I wasn't doing as good as I thought I was on this shelf and then I missed 10, I just immediately missed 10 questions by not answering them. Like, how is that going to pan out? Am I going to, is that going to drop me into the, the fail range? You know, like. Eric, Eric always goes worst case scenario. <laughs> well, you got to, I don't know, in medical school, you, you got, I feel like it's like a combination of medical school prepares you for like, you got to think of all the, all the possibilities and prepare for them. And that was maybe a little bit of medical school, a little bit of Boy Scouts as well. And so you, you try to prepare for all of the eventualities and possibilities and then and you then you're not surprised and you have a plan you know a plan of action when it happens and so my plan of action i had emailed uh, dr soto uh, one of the people who administers a lot of the nbmes and was like hey this is what happened during my exam totally my fault i know there's a cbse going on this upcoming friday and so you guys are going to be proctoring that and that's an nbme product 
is it possible if I fail my exam that I can be set scheduled to take my <laughs> retake it on Friday with the CBSE? Because again, I, I know if I retook the exam, got through 110 questions, I probably would have passed for sure. That, that was kind of my, my pitch to Dr. Soto. And so agonizingly waiting until Tuesday to get the, the exam score back and seeing that I did pass indeed. And I don't have to take the exam <laughs> on Friday. Now I can just settle back into step two studying and trying to be a bit of a fanatic on that. Yeah. It's so good. Eric so. was up by 4.30 this morning. Left here by 8. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I was up by 4.30, getting the normal morning routine and, you know, shower, brush teeth, you know, get clothes on. Then I do a, a block of 20 while Karen sleeps, and she snores a little bit. But, uh, I'm pregnant. I only <laughs> snore when I'm pregnant. Shut up. You snore way worse. I know. It's, it's popcorn kettle block, I guess. But anyway, so I, I did the 20 questions. I, I first made my, my morning coffee, did my 20 questions allowed Karen to, you know, graciously allowed Karen to take a shower. <laughs> and then I did another, I did 40 incorrects. I just, I periodically, I like to go back over my incorrects just to make sure I got the question concepts down. And I don't, I, I kind of burn through them a little fast. So it's, like, it's a question of whether it's very useful or not. I tend to look at the vignette and if I, and since it's relatively new to me, like within the last week, I reset my U-World. So... I usually can read the vignette, look at the answer choices really quick and go, okay, this is this question. It was asking about this, this, and this, and then try to figure out, see if I can remember the right answer, if I can figure out the right concept. I try to quiz myself a little bit. Like, this is the, this is the concept that's trying to get at. It's uh, trying to explain X, Y, and Z and click it and move on. And so I, I can go through the 40 really quick. Whereas if I'm just doing a block of 40 on tutor mode, untimed, it can take a long time. It can take a little bit over <laughs> over an hour easily. So did that, had coffee, did my blocks. Karen took a shower and got ready to go. I was out, out by 8, a little 8.30. Before eight. Yeah, and then I got to the school and to, uh, our learning center by the hospital and just started knocking out questions. I think total today I got through is 130. I do want to do more. Did that include the 40 block? It, no, it was, I don't I don't really count my incompletes as... Okay. Because I, I kind of count just the new ones I do as my questions I've done for the day. So if I knock out a, a bunch of incompletes, I'm not really terribly worried about it. I, <laughs> so I'm trying, to, I'm, I'm trying to work my way up to 160 to maybe 200 a day. I think that would be a good number. I was talking, I had re-talked to Seth Elu, uh, again, the, the emergency medicine resident, uh, and he was reiterating his, I was, I was asking him to reiterate his study habits because I want to kind of emulate his uh, results. And he was doing uh, 320 questions a day, every other day, and then he would do it on test mode and then review the next day. So 320, take a break, next day review 320 kind of keep rinse and repeat so his his uh or i guess uh four blocks uh it's like eight blocks of 40 i don't know i haven't really decided if i want to do that i kind of feel like if i don't review the questions right away and ca capture the concepts kind of do an active study that i may not learn as opposed to if i'm having to review 320 questions in one sitting 
I think there's a good chance I might skip over a few questions and not learn the concepts. And I don't know if I'm disciplined enough to do that. So I'm trying to get to like 160 to 180, which is about would be half of a shelf, uh, half of a step two exam. So I'm at least getting a lot of questions done and spending a lot of time on it. So I'm, I'm, I'm getting building up a little bit of endurance. And then, of course, we still have about four self-assessments that we are going to try to cram in in the next uh, two and a half weeks. So, uh, Well, you'll do one tomorrow. Yeah, I'll, I'll do UWorld self-assessment one tomorrow. Friday, I don't know if we've decided if I'm doing a, the NBME 12 or if I'm going to do the UWorld self-assessment two. And then the only other one after that would be a free 120 that NBME offers on their website. So I'm going to try to do all four of those before mm, probably Monday before my exam, before the Monday before my exam. So that way the the week of my exam, I'm just doing some questions. I'm kind of staying up, up on my stuff, but I'm not taking a full length exam, getting exhausted, <laughs> mentally exhausted, uh, and getting too burnt out before my exam. I don't know. It's a it's a two and a half, three week marathon or sprint to the finish here. And we're hoping to see some real, real improvement on this next self-assessment. So we'll see. It's, and again, it's been a, that's my current study plan for this uh, next two and a half weeks. And, and again, we're, we're doing this Monday through Saturday. I think, I don't think Sunday we have any visions of making that a, a thing either. I think we're going to try to keep Sunday a, a family day because the kids don't see me enough as it is. Yeah, but after the kids go to bed, typically I'll go to game night and Eric will do some studying at night. So he yeah. does get some in on Sunday, just not a full day's worth. And then along with the self-assessments, Eric is trying to do a workout the night before so that he sleeps well and then he's trying to have a high-protein breakfast and then bring some snacks throughout for the break times so that you actually get up, move your legs, have something small to eat to keep you going. Yeah, this is a, this is the dirty medicine, how to prepare for an exam, (laughs) kind of my rendition of it. There's a, I can't remember a hundred percent of what he suggests. And so you can find him on YouTube, uh, dirty medicine. And I think if you just search exam prep or uh day before the exam he's got like a uh, i think the two days prior to the exam kind of method uh one one of the kind of key tenets of it is lots of protein Um, protein generally is brain fuel and tends to not burn and crash as fast as carbohydrates so he recommends lots of protein so uh night before day of lots of protein and then he recommends the exercise component because generally speaking most people are nervous myself included but the night before the exam i know when i took step one i went up over to columbus georgia and went over the night before stayed in the hotel and i don't think i got really much more than maybe a half an hour of consecutive sleep like i would wake up freak out that I might have overslept my alarm and missed my most important exam of my life (laughs) Uh, until this one, obviously. And now his recommendation is if you exercise and you tire your body out, you will physically be exhausted. And so when you go to bed at night, the night before the exam, you will go to sleep because your body is tired as opposed to if you just kind of walk around all day and do some questions and your mind might be a little tired but your body's not. And so his suggestion, of course, is to work out a lot the night, the day before the exam so that you sleep that night. So that's his recommendation. And of course, during the day of the exam, 
the recommendations are hydration, hydration. He, I think he says only like have a half a cup of coffee. He doesn't, he's not a firm <laughs> believer in caffeine is the way to get through it. But uh, I will probably uh, still take my usual coffee. I, I, it takes me a, a little, a few minutes for my brain to wake up in the morning and get uh, more mentally sharp. So I, I will probably jump start with that coffee. Of course, coffee is, you have to time that correctly because coffee has this tendency to flow through you and you don't want to be halfway through your first block and have to run off to the bathroom and take an unscheduled time out from your exam, which makes it means the time is still running and you are sitting on the toilet. Uh, so <laughs> you got to time it. You got to be smart. <laughs> and then, of course, his recommendation is hydration. So on your breaks, you, you get up, you leave the exam computer, you get some more food you because you have like i think 15 minute breaks or something like that I think, I think it's like 45 minutes or at least this was step one it was like 45 minutes and you had all these blocks and so you can take these breaks in between come back to the computer and then go back to work and his idea is that basically these are mini take think of it as a mini test do your your block get up move around do something eat some food because you know this entire exam is you needing energy and brain food brain food as in protein and <laughs> sugar is anything to get your brain to keep working you need to basically recharge it as often as you can because you're going to need that later and later you go and then it's a, obviously an endurance thing and then at the same time your brain needs water because <laughs> you don't want to de get dehydrated so you, the recommendation again is drink lots of water don't drink so much that you have to pee so much but drink enough that you're hydrated throughout the exam because again if you're dehydrated you're not going to perform as good and that's going to result in probably a, a not as such a good score so that's the that's all that, the thought process and, and planning that we are doing <laughs> yeah i might rewatch his videos at some point closer to the exam i know i'm going to probably look over divine intervention has some kind of last minute high yield step two vignettes that he likes to go through and a friend of mine recommended so i'll probably do that the week of the exam but otherwise uh <laughs> that is my step two prep in a nutshell <laughs> Yep. I guess the only last thing I really wanted to talk about, and this is a, a kind of a step away from med school in a way, but it was it was, <laughs> it was a, a nice reprieve over the weekend because I was doing questions on Saturday. I was home, obviously, uh, on Sunday to church and did the yard work and whatnot I typically do. But one of the other things that kind of kept me from constantly refreshing the email is I had a few projects that Karen had me work on. <laughs> so, when, um, when Eric gets stressed out, you give him a project on something that's preferably something that he has to use his brain for because then he doesn't it distracts him so my phone he had fixed a while ago quote and unquote fix <laughs> well you fixed it well, the it, part that he, he replaced the battery your poor and, phone and the replacement part failed yeah so if we have he took my phone apart we oh, figured out that the the middle of her screen was popping out of the case and like kind of bending the, the screen was kind of bending out. And so I opened it up and sure enough, the battery is swollen. It looks like it has a bunch of gas in it. I really am temp tempted to put a needle in it. No. And, and I know that will probably result in another spark. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I've, I worked on enough electronics and caused enough sparks to know I probably shouldn't do something like that unwittingly. Uh, so I now know what's wrong with her phone. I ordered the parts. They should be here sometime, this, sometime week. this week. And I will get her phone back in. It's it's back together and working, quote and unquote. It's just. It's sad. It's a little sad. <laughs> I, I'm a little sad by looking at it. But it did prompt me to look at our replacement or our backup phone 
uh, situation because usually we ha- we always have like, at least one phone in case like one of us breaks our phone and we have something else that we can use and my replacement option is is pretty pitiful right now it's an iphone 5 that doesn't uh its screen's broken and (laughs) it can't be off the charger for any more than two seconds so i am going to fix that as well and the parts were really cheap so it's a pretty quick new to me i didn't know oh i yeah sorry (laughs) i I just figured since i was buying your parts and i could just buy the iphone 5 parts for really cheap at the same time i went ahead and did that uh, <laughs> then the other project Karen had me work on, and this was... Um, well, I didn't really have you work on this. This is something that... So, Eric... Uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Try to, try to explain this. <laughs> For a while now, the kids have taken over my iPad, which was fine, but I've been trying to work on the match a resident and trying to get through all of that, but the kids have... Um, we have fixed it a couple times, and the kids have done enough... They have loved it enough that there are some... The screen doesn't work well. Yeah, it doesn't work well. So it's ob- obnoxious and agonizing. I didn't, I didn't encourage Eric to get me new things, but he put, took it upon himself to search eBay for an iPad like what he has, so, and he found one. So the, the biggest difference here, Beaton, is that her iPad Air, while nice, the home button also is not very sensitive. And I really kind of have grown a huge dislike to the home buttons. <laughs> and so I was talking to her and I kind of get the impression that Karen is also wanting something that's a little bit more like a laptop, but also a little bit like an iPad. And so I was like, well, my iPad works really good as an iPad, but it also works decently well as an iP- uh, like a laptop. It has a keyboard that you can have right now. So... I we don't have the money to buy a brand new iPad. <laughs> like it's not exactly in the. If we had to, we could probably do it, but it's not like the best uh, use of our money at this moment. So there's a, a third door that we took, uh, and that was try to find an iPad very much like mine because mine's the iPad Pro, but it's like the first generation, 11 inch, and it's been a workhorse. It's worked really good for me, and I've had very little issues besides screens breaking, and. Generally speaking, it's worked really well. Uh, I haven't had any real issues. And so I figured this would be a, probably a good replacement or a good alternative for Karen to have. But of course, we had to go to eBay. And when you go to eBay, you get uh, some really interesting options. So I, knowing that I typically can, I can fix screens. Like if you broke the screen and you didn't, the person didn't want to replace the screen, didn't want to pay Apple to replace it. A lot of people will put those things on, on eBay and you can buy them. I was looking at those initially. <laughs> and then I, I found this deal that was just like, I felt like it was too good to be true kind of thing. It was like, oh, the pay, this uh, iPad stuck in a boot loop or it's a, basically it will boot up. You see the Apple logo, it will turn off and then it would turn back on and the Apple logo would reappear and it would just keep doing that. Nothing, nothing would change. And I thought to myself, like, I'm pretty sure that's a pretty easy fix. I Googled a few fixes and like, oh, it's like a, you do some hard resets. At worst, you load it onto the computer and you make the computer restore the iPad. I think this would be fine. And so I, I made an offer on it and it was a very good deal. Like I was getting the iPad for way less than what you can buy the broken screen ones for. And keep in mind, I was budgeting broken screen plus 100 plus dollars to buy the new screen so i was like oh this is a really good deal like this is way below what i would have i was given as a budget 
<laughs> so I got this iPad, and so that was a great distraction. I think all Sunday uh, for me to yeah, he was he was trying to figure out how to get it out of a boot loop. I did have to. This wasn't just a solo effort, though. I did have Karen because uh, Karen apparently, when I think she's not listening, is actually listening <laughs> to some of my. <laughs> well, because I would watch these YouTube videos of you know how to fix certain things and. It was it was evolving. So I initially it was like, oh, all the five different ways you can fix a boot loop, and it was like hard resets and put it into restore mode and whatnot. And so it was progressively, and then there was like even one video where I was like whacking the iPad. <laughs> Karen was, but anyway, like sometimes that works, you know. But it was progressively moving towards opening up the iPad and looking at component. And apparently, Karen was listening. And when he I he thinks I don't listen, I listen. <laughs> I just have four other distractions that well, I have. I mean, so. typically, like <laughs> these videos aren't exactly very interesting, and and they're not always production value very good. Like sometimes they're just like some guy with a camera, and it's like he's got the shakes, and he's got like two phone calls that go off in the middle of the video, and he just <laughs> anyway, like these videos aren't high production quality. They're just somebody who works on these things and does it as a job and wants to post it on YouTube. Anyway, it was getting to that technical level of like opening up the screen, looking at the components directly. And Karen remembered after I had opened up the iPad, I exhausted all the other options and nothing seemed to be working. And so I opened up the iPad and Karen was like, oh, maybe it's the power button. And after, so unbeknownst to Karen, I had already gone through, there was some coils on the on the circuit board that apparently get loose and you had to replace them. And so I was already kind of going through and trying to wiggle them because apparently that's the sign that they're bad is if they, they wiggle. And I had, just before Karen had come in and give me that really helpful suggestion, I had uh, connected both sides of the coil on, <laughs> on one occasion and just got a really big spark. And so I was like, ah, nuts. <laughs> I fried it again. You know, I've, 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 I've destroyed it. <laughs> Thankfully, I have not. But Karen came in and he's like, oh, it's probably like the power button because that one video said that it was like 20% power button, 20, you know, 20% 60% speaker cables or whatever. Anyway, so I took I out. I didn't the, remember the percentages. I just remembered that one of the videos had said basically if you button mash enough, a lot of times the button is stuck. So I was just oh. like, well. <laughs> so anyway, I, I removed it from, I moved the button and the connector, and then I plugged everything back in, and it turned right on and booted up. Uh, I did have to deal with the eBay seller to get him to deactivate it from its iCloud account, which he did. So that, that was a, thank God that there's actually honest people out there, you know? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, because like, think about it, like from his perspective, he just sold me, what he thought was a, a really fancy brick for almost nothing. And then he gets a message from the guy who just bought that brick and goes, hey, uh, can you go online and deactivate your iPad? Because I have it working now. <laughs> and, you know, three days after it arrives, and he's probably thinking to himself, like, this really expensive iPad just got fixed within three days of some random random person in Georgia could get it fixed and I couldn't get it fixed and I just you know he he now has a, a sweet score and but he in order for him to enjoy this iPad I need to deactivate it off my iCloud account I mean a meaner person would just ignore the message and kind of go well 
what are you going to do with it now? <laughs> it's still a brick. But thankfully, this guy was kind enough to message me back and say he took it off the account. It booted up. We have it working. Everything seems to work just fine. Obviously, I have to buy a new power button, which means I also have to buy a new volume up and down buttons. But those are in the mail as well. And sometime in the near future, I will put it all together and Karen will have her, her uh, computer slash iPad. <laughs> that will not end up in the kids' hands. Nope. Nope. They might be able to have the air back. We'll see. <laughs> we'll I am see. so tired of fixing the screen on that thing. <laughs> it's not a fun fun job. No. Nope. Anyway, so that was a nice distraction that kind of just engaged a different part of my brain. I'm also supposed to fix my truck at some point, but I haven't felt the the need to. I just need to fix the actuator for the for the AC and I just, I have all the parts. I just don't want to do it right now. Yeah. So, oh. so that has been our week again. If you have any questions or want us to talk about something specific, please message us on Instagram, med family MD. You can leave a comment on iTunes. I think Spotify or Amazon also has a comment section as well. Uh, we like five star ratings. It does help us promote a little bit more. And then, of course, you can listen to us on iTunes, Amazon Music, Spotify, etc. Any any major podcasting platform, you should be able to find us, uh, uh, Med Family. Yeah, and I hope you guys have a good rest of the week, and we will be back next week. Bye.